everybody, my name is Braden Norman, alongside me, Bryce Peterson, and this is the Gridiron Podcast, where we talk all things college football and NFL. And today we are continuing our countdown to the draft series, as we are only 35 days away from the draft. So it's getting pretty exciting, and today we're going to be talking about free agency, which is has a huge part in the way teams draft and the way uh, the different positions teams go to, just depending on how they do in free agency. Bryce, how you doing? I'm good. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. We're excited to have you on. Today we're going to tackle free agency, so I'll list the divisions. We're going to go division by division today, list the notable free agency moves in all the divisions, and kind of give you our impacts on the division and our opinions on the signings. So first we'll go NFC East, NFC North, NFC West, NFC South, and then we'll move to the AFC, AFC North, AFC West, AFC South, and I think AFC East is the one I might have missed. Um, so AFC East will actually be first in the AFC section. So we're excited to have you guys on today. It'll be a lot of content kind of jam-packed into this episode, and we're so glad that you joined us today. Yeah, well, so starting off with that NFC East, I think a lot of teams made some moves. Um, just because the division's wide open, as we've talked about in previous episodes, there's a team that won it with a losing record last, last year, so, um... You know, any team can do it, and they're all pretty pretty close in the division. I think we start with the Cowboys just because Dak Prescott is back. He signed his four-year, $160 million contract. They needed it, that quarterback. He was the best available quarterback to sign this offseason, and they made sure they held on to him after all the talks and, the, you know, just the uncertainty that they, had, that they went through. So I think that was huge for the Cowboys. Yeah, for sure. That contract also includes $126 million guaranteed, which is a lot of money to guarantee a guy. We saw the Carson Wentz contract, which is actually eerily similar to this contract, go bad and ended up hurting the Eagles in the long run because the Eagles are still paying for Carson Wentz practically, and the Colts have him on their roster. So that is the big issue with this contract. However, like Braden said, he was one of the top quarterbacks in this free agency class, it was a good signing for the Cowboys. Ensures their ability to have a quarterback for the future. And like we've talked about on the podcast before, if you don't have a quarterback in the NFL, you're not going to compete. You can't compete without a quarterback in the NFL. It is the most important position. It doesn't mean they're the most talented or most skilled players, but they are the most important ones on the field. And so the Cowboys ensuring that they have an average to above average quarterback for the next four-ish years, depending on if the contract gets voided out or all the special things to get under the salary cap that the Cowboys did with the contract. I think this will be an interesting contract to watch, and it was a smart move by the Cowboys. Yeah, and then on the defensive side of the ball, they bring back cornerback Jordan Lewis, and they also signed Keanu Neal, who's um, one of the better safeties. He's just kind of been injury-ridden over the last couple of years, so we'll have to see if he can kind of get a fresh start in Dallas. He's actually listed as a linebacker. His deal is a one-year, $5 million deal, as well as Jordan Lewis's three-year deal with the Cowboys. Both of these are big, big contracts, especially for a defense that struggled big time last year. It was important for these guys to come back and be able to contribute to this defense and rebuilding this defense because that's what the Cowboys will have to consider moving into the draft and then again in free agency headed towards training camp here in the summer. And it's interesting that he's uh, listed as a linebacker just because he's played safety his whole NFL career, but he is that big body, kind of similar to Cam Chancellor, that I guess can 
play linebacker if they need him to. All right, let's move to the Giants because they did kind of go off to a slow start in free agency, but since then I think they've made some really good moves to help Daniel Jones on the offense. And then they also brought back Leonard Williams, uh, who was one of the best DNs in all of football last year, helped a really good Giants defense get some wins. But then on the offensive side of the ball, they go out and they get that big receiver for Daniel Jones, and they get Kenny Galladay on a four-year, $72 million deal. And then they also got a speedster, John Ross, from the University of Washington, and Kyle Rudolph, a veteran tight end. So all of a sudden, this offense is looking pretty viable. Yeah, for sure. I think the crazy thing is, is we talked about with Scott a couple episodes ago how the Giants need to bolster their offense, give Daniel Jones one more weapon to go out there, be able to hit a target. They gave him, in my opinion, arguably three to four good passing targets. Devontae Booker, who you didn't, who you didn't mention, mention, former Broncos running back, great pass catcher out of the backfield, two-year, $6 million deal. Kenny Galladay, who you just talked about. John Ross, who's very fast. The veteran Kyle Rudolph from the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, that's four big pass-catching targets that you're now giving Daniel Jones to be able to succeed. And Devontae Booker can be the pass-catcher, and you could go split-back formation with Saquon Barkley on one side, Devontae Booker on the other side, and then you can put out John Ross, Kenny Galladay, and suddenly you have a very scary pass formation that defenses will struggle to cover with linebackers if they're going man-to-man. So that's something that I think is really important to note is just how much the, the Giants went out offensively to sign big guys in free agency to set their offense up for success here in the near future. Yeah, and it's going to make life a lot easier for Saquon Barkley because he had that good rookie year, I believe, and just the next last couple of years, defenses have just been, all right, all they have is Saquon. So we're just going to absolutely take away the running game and Barkley hasn't been able to have the production he wanted to. Now you kind of have to think about that pass offense as well, and it's going to open stuff up for Saquon. I think the Giants have a really good chance to go out there and win the NFC East this year. They were so close last year, and I, I don't know. I, I have a good feeling about the Giants uh, moving ahead. Yeah, not only that is they went out and got defensive guys. Leonard Williams, who you mentioned, they, a fit, they first tagged him to make sure they had him restricted before the free agency period, and then they signed him to his deal. Three years, $63 million, 45 of that guaranteed. And then Adoree Jackson, the corner, played decently well over the last couple of years. He's a veteran. He plays well. They signed him to a three-year, $39 million max contract value of 44.5, 16, and 27 over the first two years. So that was a lot of numbers, and I'm sorry. But that his contract kind of is broken down into him – then the Giants betting on him for success here in the next three years and slowly progressing that contract as they go through. I think those were two big signings, as well as Reggie Ragland, who has played decent. He's got a one-year deal. So this Giants defense is going to be the focus now, probably coming into the draft, as well as maybe getting one or two developmental guys for the offense. But I think the defense will definitely be the focus for the Giants in the draft. Yeah, and Adoria Jackson's deal is kind of, um, very similar to what a lot of teams are doing, a lot of players are doing. They're restructuring their contracts uh, just with a smaller cap this year. So their teams are paying a little less this year, but betting on their players and paying them more in the future. Um, and you're seeing a lot of veteran players that are taking less this year to make their teams just a little bit better um, with that softer cap this year. All right, let's move to the Washington football team. 
they go out and they get their quarterback for this year. We talked about you know all the different options that they may have. Um, they obviously re-signed Taylor Heineke. They let go of Alex Smith. They traded off Dwayne Haskins. But now they go out and get Fitzmagic, Ryan Fitzpatrick, on a one-year $10 million deal. I would expect him to be their guy this year. But either way, I just I feel a little uneasy about um, just the quarterback situation in general on the football team. I will say I, I, one of my favorite signings of this offseason was Curtis Samuel going to the football team, the wide receiver from the Carolina Panthers. He signed a three-year, $34.5 million deal, and he is now teammates with his ex-Ohio State teammate, Terry McLaurin, who is just – he's been a great wide receiver for the football team, and he's honestly been their only weapon. So it'll be nice to have Samuel and McLaurin – um, out there for possibly Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I like the signing, and this goes back to kind of our mock draft of this can be the football team's plan. They can play Ryan Fitzpatrick for a year, sign him to a $10 million deal, which is very cheap compared to quarterback contracts throughout the league. Mm-hmm. Sign him, draft a guy like Mac Jones or Trey Lance, whoever tends to fall farther back, even if they have to trade up to 15 to get him. If he happens to fall to 19, great. But they can draft a guy this year in the first round, let him sit, let him develop, come out year two, start him, just like the Patrick Mahomes deal, just like many other situations that we've seen be very successful. Aaron Rodgers sat for a couple years, but you see guys that tend to be successful are the ones that sit for a year, understand, learn, and I think this is a great plan by the Washington football team. I think a couple other Notable guys that they re-signed, Lamar Miller, who's kind of been bouncing around, could be helpful at running back. That it was one area where the Washington football team bounced around the last couple years, not really sure what they're doing there. Um, as well as they got some offensive linemen back or signed them. Brandon Scherf, uh, they franchise tag him, and Tyler Larson, they signed him to a contract. Both of those guys will help create pass protection for Fitzmagic and then their quarterback of the future coming in over the next couple of years. Yeah, I'm sorry I even mentioned Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's always going to be Fitzmagic to us. And uh, look forward to seeing what the football team can do. So we move into the last team, Philadelphia Eagles, who have virtually done absolutely nothing. They did bring in safety Anthony Harris from the Minnesota Vikings, who's actually been one of the better safeties in football. I think he was a pro war a couple of years ago. Um, other than that, though, They've really done nothing. I've heard maybe some buzz around they would be interested in Deshaun Watson. Like, who isn't interested in Deshaun Watson? I guess we can add their name to the list. But, yeah, what have the Eagles done? And I mean, what are, what are, they, what are they going to do? I would assume they're maybe going to make a couple moves. They have to. I don't understand. I mean, they're probably the team with the most holes at this point outside of... Especially in the NFC. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I mean, the Jets even are starting to fill their holes in free agency. So I think they probably have most of the holes in the NFL, and they've done virtually nothing, which is very confusing to me. I mean, part of that could be the wins contract and still trying to pay that while staying under the cap and stuff like that. But, I mean, still, only getting Anthony Harris. I mean, they signed two other guys, another safety, Andrew Adams, and defensive tackle Hassan Ridgeway. But both those guys are minimum-type contracts and virtually no big signings for the Eagles, which is confusing to me, and I don't understand it. Maybe they're loading up to just go and get big, go big in the draft and then come out after the draft with 
a few more free agency signings, hold out to see if they can get Deshaun Watson. If they don't, then they've accepted that they're not going to be good this year. I, I don't know. I mean, they quit last year in the last game of the year and benched Jalen Hurts. So, I mean, maybe they are tanking this year for the number one overall pick next year. I don't know. But, I mean, it's just awful how they have gone through and done this. So Yeah, and they also lost Jalen Mills and Deshaun Jackson to other teams in free agency. So not the greatest start for the Eagles. I'd probably give them the worst grade so far in the NFC East. Yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about worrying, leaving, uh, losing Deshaun Jackson sure. now because he's injury-prone and is injured 14 out of the 16 weeks of the year anyway, so it <laughs> doesn't matter. All right, let's move to the NFC North. I'll start with your Green Bay Packers because, honestly, it was kind of unexpected to me that they would bring back Aaron Jones. I know they said it was important for him, but it just kind of seemed like he might be heading out. But, nope, Aaron Jones actually took less money to stay with the Packers on a four-year, $48 million deal. Um, they lose Jamal Williams in free agency, but that makes sense because now you have Jones and Dylan, um, and that's a really good running back core behind Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, they've been virtually silent the entire time like the Eagles have, but unfortunately for the Eagles, the Packers have signed two of the best in the position groups that they've signed. Aaron Jones will be re-signed to a four-year, $48 million contract, $13 million signing bonus, which is huge for the Packers because that means he's a Packer for four more years. And the combination of him and A.J. Dillon will be lethal over the next coming years, in my opinion. A.J. Dillon startly finally started to get it moving and got it clicking in the end of the year. I think he will be a great combination with Aaron Jones as well as cornerback Kevin King, who has been pretty quiet over the last couple of years, but has been solid part of the defense. He's not a standout corner, but he was our first round pick uh, three years ago, four years ago. And his rookie contract's up. He's going to get a one-year, $6 million contract. Hey, Kevin King, show us what you can do. If you're good enough, we'll sign you with a long-term contract next year. If not, we'll let you go. We want to keep you in Green Bay one more year to see what you can do. I'm interested to see how it does. I'm a little bit scared about that signing, but I'm interested to see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, the Packers are reloading again this year. They're keeping that offense alive. It'll be interesting to see what they do in the draft. Do they go out and get that other receiver that Rodgers has been asking for the last 10 years? We'll see. Always expect the unexpected with the Packers in the draft. Um but with that being said, let's move on to the Chicago Bears, who have made a lot of moves, but they've also just, it's just been an interesting offseason for them. They were like, you know what, we're going to go all in and get a new quarterback. We want Russell Wilson. And you know what? They got Andy Dalton. So it wasn't exactly Russell Wilson, but uh, not even close to Russell Wilson. But they get Andy Dalton on a one-year $10 million contract. In my opinion, I feel like you're just continuing the cycle of mediocre quarterbacks I feel like there's going to be multiple quarterbacks to play again next year. And with that defense, they're still going to be able to win seven or eight games, and they're going to put themselves in an opportunity to get in the playoffs. I just don't see it without like a better quarterback running that offense. Yeah, I think this is a mix of strategies that kind of happen for the Bears because if you look at this contract, what contract does it remind you of, Braden? Reminds me of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yes, and what did we just talk about? A few, <laughs> what did we just talk about a few minutes ago? They're building for the future. Mm -hmm. So this is the Bears, in my opinion, building for the future, which 
clearly neither of us understand because their defense is good enough to go win seven, eight games by themselves. Mm-hmm. So why would you not go all in to get a quarterback that could get you to win now? Um, I think Andy Dalton is a decent quarterback. He'll help them win a game or two over the course of the season. The defense will be responsible for the majority of the games. But I think they're building for the future, which I don't understand because Nagy is probably on his last year with the Bears if they lose again. And so why are they building for the future if they need to win now? So that's the confusing thing to me. I think the other notable ones on the offensive side of the ball, Allen Robinson received the franchise tag. He's not going anywhere. We talked about him last episode, the episode before that. And then offensive lineman Jermaine Effetti, who's bounced around between the Seahawks and a bunch of other teams. He got a one-year contract worth $5 million. And then they signed a lot of guys on the defensive side of the ball. But I think that was really just the most confusing thing to me was the Andy Dalton move. Yeah, and I have heard kind of rumblings that Allen Robinson is – Pretty much saying, yeah, I know I got the franchise tag, but I don't plan on playing for the Bears. So that could be pretty interesting. Hey, if, you know, if Russell Wilson got traded to him, he'd probably be playing, but I think he's just tired of being a Chicago Bear. He's kind of had a rough career with the Jaguars and the Bears, looking to go elsewhere. And that opportunity might not come until next year, now that they did place that franchise tag on him. Um, They also lost Kyle Fuller at cornerback, but replaced him with Desmond Trufant, kind of two veteran cornerbacks. Maybe saving a little money there. Um, but yeah, as you said, kind of an interesting move that didn't really make sense for the Bears at this time, in my opinion. And we'll have to see how that works out for them in the uh, Green Bay Packers division. I mean the NFC North. All right, let's go to the Minnesota Vikings. You know, they had a tough off- they had a tough season defensively last year, and they've made a couple signings, including Patrick Peterson, at cornerback, on a one-year, $10 million contract, as we've heard a couple times. They also got Dalvin Tomlinson and Steven Weather- Weatherly on the defensive line. But, I mean, is that really enough to save what that defense was doing last year? I don't think it's enough to save it. I think it stabilizes. I think it's not going to get worse from here, but they're going to need to go get some good talent in the draft on the defensive side of the ball. And then they might need to try and sign or trade for another guy or two here in the offseason before training camp to be able to be competitive. And if they don't, then I think they're going to be the mediocre team in the division again. And they'll finish second, third in the NFC North with a 8-8, eight eight, maybe 10-6 maybe and six record. Um, I think that's about where they'll be if they don't make any more signings. I think Patrick Peterson will be important because he's a veteran. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's one of the best to ever do it. And that Minnesota Viking secondary is very, very young. Very talented, but very, very young. And so I think bringing in Patrick Peterson not only gives them a stud to be able to go out and play every week, but also allows for them to get a player to come in, train, and help the younger guys understand from a player's point of view what they need to do in the future so that they can be set up after this year for that young uh, secondary to be successful. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, other than that, they really have not done much at all. So let's move on to the Detroit Lions. Obviously, they have a change of quarterback for the first time in a long time. They've got Jared Goff, and, you know, they're going to have to build towards the future. I think we could both agree that the Lions are 
once again, it always seems like they're in a rebuilding stage, but it, I would definitely say they're in a rebuilding stage this year. Um, they did bring back DN Romeo Aquara to a three-year, $39 million deal. That was big for their defense. And they also traded for Michael Brockers, a defensive tackle from the Rams, um, for not much at all. So they're kind of building that defense up a little bit. They obviously lost Kenny Galladay. They, in turn, brought Rashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams in for a couple more weapons for Goff. And then they did bring in Jamal Williams, um, who they had played against twice a year on the Green Bay Packers. So overall, how do you think the Lions have done this offseason? And uh, how do you see them doing next year? They've done okay, and I think they could be decent next year. I think with a new head coach, you can never guess how good a team is going to be because you never know about the head coach. I mean, Vic Fangio, everybody was like, the Broncos could be good again, and then he was a terrible game manager for the first couple of years of his career, and arguably still is. But you just never know with the new head coach. So I don't know that I could necessarily make a bold prediction or a good prediction on how good they'll be, but they've done decent in free agency. Obviously, they have Jared Goff, they got Jamal Williams, um, Tyrell Williams, Rashad Perryman, who you all listed, and then Josh Hill, who was a former Saint. Good tight end, another good pass catcher. So I think they have good offensive weapons. I think they've done okay. I think the draft will be extremely important for them, and they might be a sleeper team in the NFC North. Maybe. I don't really know. But as I said, like it's just hard to predict when it's a new head coach because you don't know the coaching style, you don't know what the offensive scheme will be, and you don't know how that's going to stack up against opposing defenses, especially against game plans like the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers and the Bears for the def- the defense for the Bears for that matter. So I think that's really the big key. Also, one thing that I'm going to say, just as a Packer fan, Tim Boyle, our backup quarterback for oh, many, many years. Man. Green Bay loved him. He's now off the Detroit Lions. Goodbye, Tim Boyle. Goodbye, Jamal Williams. We'll still see you twice a year, but this time you might be getting booed when you're running into Lambeau. So that Ooh. might be a little awkward for you. Yeah. Man, it, man, it just kind of shows me how tough that NFC North is for the uh, Green Bay Packers every year. Like, it must be nice to face the Bears, Vikings, and Lions two times a year. Well, they are... They, I think the weird thing about the NFC North... I don't disagree. The NFC yeah. North is one of the worst divisions with a superstar team in it. But it's weird because every year there's a team that starts competing for the title midway through the year. And somebody comes up and wakes out of their sleep, and they all start slow, and then they all start coming back, or they all come in. Like, the Vikings a couple years ago, or the Bears two years ago, when Khalil Mack was first there, they were competitive for a very long time in the very first section of that season. So I think that's just the weird thing is you never know with the NFC North because the Bears could be good, the Vikings could be good. You just don't know until the season Not the Lions, though. Just not the Lions. Not the Lions. (laughs) The Lions will never be good. All right, let's move to the NFC West, which is, in my opinion, just the opposite. Absolutely stacked, and free agency has not changed that whatsoever because everybody's just stacking up to take out my Seahawks. And I guess we'll start with the Arizona Cardinals, who obviously brought in defensive end J.J. Watt, we've talked about. They brought in center Roddy Hudson on another trade. They also signed A.J. Green, and that's just the start. Those are, the, like, the big names. Um, so they've got... Some veteran help here. They already have the superstars in Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, Buda Baker. I mean, I think the Cardinals could have the opportunity to be really good. We've said that a 
couple times in the last couple of years, and at the end of the day, they just haven't been good enough. Is this the year that they maybe move ahead and move into the playoffs, shoot for a division title? Because they made a lot of good moves. It might be. I think other guys to note, Max Garcia, former Bronco offensive lineman, Matt Prater, former Bronco and Lions kicker, ha- holds the record for longest field goal in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, also signed with the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals have done very, very well in free agency. It will be up to Kyler Murray and how well he plays and how well he can protect the ball this year. I think the defense will continue to be stellar and play very, very well. It will be up to Kyler Murray to be able to distribute the ball to his weapons and make good throws in the next year. I think the other thing that might be important, running back for the Cardinals. Yeah. That will be probably my number one need for them after free agency is a running back. As soon, If they could get a good running back talent in the draft, they could be a very scary offense, and the defense is solid. So I think the Cardinals could compete. Like we said last year, we thought they could compete and – Things just didn't pan out. They got a cold stretch midway through the year and couldn't get out of it. I think that they could be very, very good. It will just be dependent on Kyler Murray and their ability to get a good running back. Yeah, because that was, I was going to say, one of the interesting things about their offseason so far, letting Kenny and Drake go, which we'll talk about with the Las Vegas Raiders. I think they have a really good one-two punch now at running back. But that leaves... Who at running back, you know? So Chase Edmonds maybe is their running back as of now. But that does scare me because now with the Cardinals having a pick midway through the draft, they might just go out and get Najee Harris, which as a Seahawks fan, I would not like to see that because I think the world of Najee Harris, I think he's going to have some success on whoever he gets drafted by. So, I mean, if they could get a running back like him or ETN maybe in the second round, Cardinals offense already was scary. Um, it could be very, very scary, and they obviously are building up some veteran presence on that defense as well. So, yeah, I think the Cardinals could be good, but you just wait. You just wait, listeners, because everybody's stacking up here in this NFC West, and we'll go next to the Los Angeles Rams. Obviously, they got Matthew Stafford. That's an upgrade at quarterback. They also brought in Deshaun Jackson, as we mentioned, leaving the Philadelphia Eagles. That's just more speed. And then they bring back Leonard Floyd on a four-year $64 million contract who has been wreaking havoc alongside Aaron Donald on that Rams defense. So Rams are looking good as well. Yeah, they look good. Like I said, I don't know that the Deshaun Jackson contract really matters. It's oh, a man. small it, It's a small contract. He cannot stay healthy for the life of him. <laughs> Since he went back to the Eagles, he's been injured for, I think, 50% of each year. I mean, he just can't stay healthy. So while he might be dangerous a game or two games out of the year, I don't think that that signing really matters a whole lot. But I do like the Leonard Floyd signing, and obviously I love the Matthew Stafford move for them. Could make them a competitor. I, The thing with the Rams is they're just so hot and cold that it worries me that they will do what the Cardinals did last year and get into a cold stretch midway through the year and not be able to snap out of it. That's my concern for the Rams. I think some other big positions of need for them. Safety would be a position of need. They're decent there right now, but they need it. Yeah, I think they lost both Troy Hill and Josh Johnson. That might be, Maybe. I'm not 100% sure. But the safeties, and then as well as running back slash wide receiver help. They need weapons for Matthew Stafford. They have some right now, but they need more. 
I think those are kind of the big positions of need headed into the draft after free agency for the Rams. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they do anything else here. Uh, let's go to the San Francisco 49ers, who I, once again, believe have had a good free agency so far. Bringing back Cal Juszczyk, probably the best fullback in football. And bringing back Trent Williams, that offensive tackle, on a six-year, $138 million deal. Pretty massive deal there. They bring in Alex Mack, who is a former All-Pro center from the Falcons, on a $5.5 million deal. That's a pretty great deal. And then they also bring in Jason Barrett, a corner from the Niners. Or, sorry, they re-signed Jason Barrett um, to bring back to that secondary. So I think the Niners made a lot of deals. Obviously, they were injury-ridden last year. So bringing those guys back from injury, I think the Niners are looking pretty solid. Yeah, I think the other guy to note would be Emmanuel Mosley, another corner, two-year contract, $10 million. I think the Niners need to figure out the quarterback situation. That is the biggest concern for me is I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is the answer. He played decent under an offense that had a lot, a lot of weapons, and they have some weapons this year, but not near as many as they did in their Super Bowl run. And their defense probably isn't quite as good. It's close. But I think the Niners, A, need to stay healthy this year. And B, need to figure out their quarterback situation. Whether that's drafting somebody in the first or second round or third round. Whether that's going out and trying to find a trade for Deshaun Watson. Whether it's, I mean, there's a whole list of things that they could do to get a new quarterback. But that will be my key. I think they are honestly my pick to finish last in the NFC West this year. I don't think that they will be able to compete in a very tough division. I agree with you. It is one of the hardest divisions, if not the hardest division in football. Unfortunately for you, you just play in a division which every city is like a luxury city to live in. So that is the disadvantage for you. Um, But I think that would be my issue is the quarterback position and then just injuries. Guys on there haven't been able to be super durable and so that is my concern I think they are probably as I said my pick to finish last yeah I have also seen some mock drafts where the Niners jump up as far as four and grab the guy like Justin Fields or somebody so you never know what they could do at quarterback I would personally like to see Garoppolo stay there because I like my matchup with the Garoppolo at quarterback and I think that gives my Seahawks the best shot to win against the Niners um so let's move to the Seattle Seahawks they did lose the Griffin twins to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's the end of that little chapter of our story. Uh, kind of sad to see him go, but you know what? We'll move on. They replace Shaquille Griffin at cornerback with Akel Witherspoon. He signs on a one-year, $4 million deal from the 49ers. And you know what? I like the move for them because they're saving a lot of money at cornerback and probably not losing too much skill there other than just he's new and he's going to have to learn that system. They actually bring back running back Chris Carson on a two-year, $14 million deal. Another small deal, in my opinion, that I think is pretty good value. And they also bring in another NFC West rival, tight end Gerald Everett from the Rams on a one-year deal, $7 million. Then they trade for a, a guard, Gabe Jackson, finally going for a lineman to help Russell Wilson. I think they were thinking about going for Trent Williams, but obviously the Niners held on to him. So... Looks like a lot of offense there, trying to build around Russ. I still think you got to keep going linemen. you got to find linemen for him. 
100% agree. I like what they've done so far, but I think it's not enough for them to... I think they will compete, but I don't know that I would pick them to win the division as of right now. I just don't see them being able to protect the quarterback against a very scary pass rush division. I mean, now you're going against J.J. Watt and Aaron Donald four times a year. Like, and it, Nick Bosa. It, and Nick Bosa. So that's like six times a year. I mean, it is a brutal pass rush division in which you don't have a whole lot of offensive linemen. I mean, Gabe Jackson, he plays in the NFL. He's a good athlete. He's not going to be a starter necessarily for the Seahawks, I don't think. I'm worried about their offensive line. I think that needs to be a focus coming into the draft. And then if there's a couple more guys available, they need to look at signing them because that is just one big mess. And we saw it last year, and it's going to be even worse this year with your division. Yep. So that's the NFC West. Let's move to the final division in the NFC, the NFC South. We start with the Saints, I would say, because they're changing things up at quarterback. Drew Brees does finally announce his retirement, and that is a big change for the Saints. They've had him there for the last 15 years or so. Now they have to decide what they're going to do next. Seems like they're going to go with Jameis Winston. He's not, uh, re-signed on a one-year, $5.5 million deal with a $4.5 million signing bonus. And, hey, we we're mentioning you know small quarterback contracts. That's a pretty darn cheap quarterback contract you could potentially put a really good team around him this year to make a run for it um so Jameis is here they also restructured Taysom Hill's deal to like another four years and it said like a 140 million dollar deal that's just like he's not going to get paid 140 million dollars they're just saving cap space um the way they restructured his deal which was kind of confusing and then other than that Maybe a couple moves on defense. They bring back Marcus Williams on the franchise tag and P.J. Williams on a one-year deal. But I don't know. It's going to be a little different for Saints fans this year. It will. I think they're my pick to drop from their standing last year. I don't think that they'll be the two seed this year. Unless Jameis Winston can show out. I think that will be the difference maker is what will Jameis do. If he can earn most of his $12.5 million worth of incentives, they could be good. If he can't, eh, I doubt it. So I think that will be the key to watch. I like what the Saints have done so far, but we'll just have to see what they do in the draft because that team is kind of all over the place right now and doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of order. Yeah, and they could be a team that, I mean, they are a team that has, has been rumored to possibly go up and maybe get a guy like Mac Jones. So we'll see if they do make that move just to have maybe a safety blanket if Winston does not work out for him. Let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons next. Still have Matt Ryan at quarterback as of now. I think they should draft somebody. We'll see what they do. I would say their biggest signing is going out and actually getting Mike Davis, which was very recent, on a two-year, $5.5 million deal. But really, other than that, they have done nothing this offseason, which is kind of weird to me. I don't know. I think... But I would agree with you. I think this is a lot like the Eagles situation where they're paying a quarterback very high money. I mean, the Eagles are still paying for Carson Wentz. They're not necessarily paying a current quarterback a lot of money, but they're paying Matt Ryan a lot of money. There's a small salary cap this year. And at this point, I can just see them going, well, we're going to take this year to develop whoever we draft. Or we're going to take this year to rebuild and recharge for the next couple years. We'll see what they do. 
I'm interested in it because they just haven't done anything much like the Eagles. I think they will definitely be a team to watch in the draft because they have so many different holes on both sides of the ball that it's kind of unknown where they're going to go at all times. So, yeah, the only thing I would ask them to do is let Julio out. Just let him go compete on another team because I think the Falcons are years out from competing. And, you know, let Julio go find a competitive team that can make a run in the playoffs. Even if he goes to the Rams? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that would suck. And he probably, after I say that, he'll probably go somewhere in the NFC West. <laughs> but uh, I think he deserves a shot at another run. All right, let's go Carolina Panthers. We said they lost Curtis Samuel. They ended up replacing him with wide receiver David Moore from my Seattle Seahawks. Um, they also made a couple other moves on defense. They got Denzel Perriman and Hassan Reddick. You know, they... They want to make a change at quarterback. They were really going in on Watson. They've restructured some deals to, you know, be able to go in on him. But obviously the Deshaun Watson situation in general right now is pretty weird with the allegations he has and Texans are saying they're holding on to him. So I think the Panthers are kind of in a tough spot right now because I think they were relying on that Deshaun Watson deal. Where do you think the Panthers are at right now? I think they've done decent, and if they don't get Deshaun Watson, I think they go quarterback in the draft, and they've done a good job of being able to take care of that quarterback. They've signed Cam Irving, Taylor Moten, and Pat Elfling. Three guys that are decent. I mean, Cam Irving will play very good. So I think all of those guys will be good to be able to get that quarterback protected, and at least they're putting money in to have a shot unlike the Seattle Seahawks. Like they're putting money in to be able to have a offensive line that could protect their quarterback, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater, whether it's their rookie, whether it's Deshaun Watson, they're putting money in to be able to protect the quarterback, which I like a lot. Yeah, and I think they might go out and try to get Trey Lance in the draft. I think that would pr- provide a lot of speed having Lance, McCaffrey, David Moore, um, DJ Moore. So, you know, there's potential on that offense, but once again, it might be kind of a rebuilding year just around a new quarterback. All right, let's look at the final team in the NFC and the winners of the NFC and the winners of the NFL, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, at the start of free agency, we kind of said, you know what, they're not going to be able to re-sign everybody. They're, they're going to have to change some stuff up. Apparently we were wrong because they literally almost re-signed everybody. Wide receiver Chris Godwin's back. Rob Gronkowski's back. D.N. Shaquille Barrett is back. Linebacker Levante David is back. And those were like the four key guys that we were like, they're probably going to lose one or two of those guys. How'd they do it? Uh, You know, I think they did it by prioritizing them, and then I think they're going to have a lack of depth. So I think that the Buccaneers will be in trouble if one of those guys gets hurt because they will not have depth behind them. They signed a lot of cheap contracts for the backups. And I think that's mainly how they did it. They also did it by being very smart in how they structure the contracts, which is a confusing process, which we won't go into today. But I think that was how they were able to do it, and all those guys want to be there. I mean, Chris Godwin wanted the franchise tag just so he could be in Tampa Bay again because they all want to go win another one. So I think that's mainly how they did it. Well done, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I mean, that's about all I can say about it. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Just the Brady effect, keeping guys there when it just doesn't seem possible. That will cap off our NFC. Moving on to the AFC, we're going to start with the AFC East. 
I mixed up the order at the very beginning. AFC East will be first. So we'll go AFC East, AFC North, AFC West, AFC South. First, let's start with the Buffalo Bills. Go out. They get Mitchell Trubisky, obviously the backup quarterback for them. If they get ahead in games, obviously they'll throw Mitchell Trubisky out there, let him show what he can do. Maybe he can go get a contract for a starting job again. Learn a little bit more, understand the game a little bit more. Maybe learn to be smarter with the ball. Other notable guys, Emmanuel Sanders was signed to the Bills, as well as Taewon Jones, the running back. Tight end Jacob Hollister. Feliciano is back. They have a three-year deal for him. Those are kind of the big guys that they grabbed in free agency. I think it was very smart. Pretty much all on the offensive side of the ball, which did not seem to have any struggles last year. What's your opinion? Yeah. I mean, the Bills are in a really good spot. I like them as a top-two team in the AFC. Um, obviously, I'm very high on them. And I think they just brought in some veteran presence. They brought some guys back that they that are key to their success. And you know what? I think they're going to have a really good year next year. The Mitchell Trubisky deal was a little weird for me. I was like, you really need Trubisky? Sure. I mean, I guess that's just their backup plan if things really go wrong and Josh Allen got hurt or something. Still having a guy that could potentially do well in their system um, with that really good team around the quarterback. So I like the Bills a lot, and I think they made some good moves. I mean, the Trubisky contract was super cheap, too, so that was the really helpful thing. Uh, moving on, Miami Dolphins signed Jacoby Brissett, running back Malcolm Brown, tackle Isaiah Wilson, Will Fuller. Oh, I'm sorry. Dolphins released Wilson a couple days ago. My bad. Uh, Will Fuller they signed, as well as corner Justin Coleman. Those are kind of the big guys that they went out and got. What do you think of the Dolphins? The Dolphins are probably my just most exciting team just to see what they're going to do this offseason. And going out and get Will Fuller. I think that's a great option, uh, receiver for Tua. I was, you know, I thought Kenny Holiday could possibly go there. We saw he ended up going to the Giants, but now with the Dolphins having the third pick and the 18th pick in the draft, I think there's a lot of different routes they could go. They obviously got some tackles. Isaiah Wilson did not work out for him. It looks like he's probably not going to have a spot in the NFL any any longer. Kind of just a really a bust for the Titans, and then now the Dolphins, but. Possibly going out and getting a Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, or Kyle Pitts with that first pick. And they could even trade back a couple spots, get some more out of it, and then still pick that same guy. And then at 18, they could maybe go get Najee Harris if he's still around. And that offense is looking really good around Tua going into his second year. So I think the Dolphins have a lot to be excited about. They did lose some defensive players like Shaq Lawson and Kyle Van Noy, but they bring in Bernardrick McKinney. They bring in Justin Coleman, as you said. So I think the Dolphins have a lot to look forward to. It's just going to be about getting past the Bills, which is tough, and New England Patriots, who made a lot of moves so far. Yeah, I like them. I just am worried about their consistency and will Tua be able to perform, yeah. and will Deshaun end up in Miami? We don't know. I think yeah. Miami is probably one of the biggest wild card teams for me moving into this year. Yeah, it's all up to Tua. Yep, so moving on. New England Patriots has had a very, very busy free agency period. Just to <laughs> list some guys, it's a long list. Cam Newton, Nelson Aguilar, Hunter Henry, John Smith, Trent Brown, Montavious Adams, Matt Judon, Kyle Van Noy, Jalen Mills, all big, big-name guys that all are going to the Patriots. 
what do you think? The Patriots have sought, used their most guaranteed money in over, I think it's five years, way more than they ever used with Brady and free agency. Bill Belichick's going all in to try and win again. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, they, they're only paying Cam Newton 13.6, so that gives them an opportunity to go out and help him on the offensive side of the ball. And I'd say Newton's pretty mediocre, and he has the potential to be solid. So if you give him the most weapons, he can be solid for you. So you go out and get him Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, a receiver, and then you get Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, kind of that two-headed monster at tight end that they used to have with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez, rest in peace. So... Hey, they have a viable offense. Um, I never doubt Bill Belichick being able to coach a team to a, a eight to ten win season, and I think this NFC East is all, all of a sudden looking pretty good. Yeah, I love what the Patriots have done so far. We'll see how good they are. It will depend on Cam Newton and how they can protect him and how he's able to throw the ball. We talked about when we first started the podcast how he really struggled throwing the left side of the field, maybe because of his shoulder, maybe because of something else. We'll see what kind of preparation he does in the offseason to be able to throw to all sides of the field and to be able to hit his weapons accurately and quickly. Moving on, New York Jets. They've had a decently busy free agency period, signed some bigger-name guys, some to note, LaMarcus Joyner, Marcus May, they're bringing back on the franchise tag Carl Lawson, Corey Davis, Keelan Cole, all bigger-name guys that are coming to the Jets. Fills some holes that the Jets had on the offensive side of the ball. We're assuming they're going to go quarterback probably mm-hmm. with their second pick. What are some holes that you think are still there, and do you like what they've done so far? There, Yeah, as you said, there's a, a lot of holes to this Jets team in general. And it's going to take a couple years for them just to fill those holes. But another team with two first-round picks and then also an early second-round pick. So they're going to have an opportunity to go get three solid guys for their future. Yes, they're going to go get a quarterback with that second pick. We think it's going to be Zach Wilson. It probably will be Zach Wilson. So um, I think now going out and getting Keelan Cole and Corey Davis is just saying, hey, we know we're bringing in a solid quarterback. Let's get him some weapons to start his development year one and, you know, in a couple years, maybe we'll have a solid team once we fill those holes. Yeah, moving on, AFC North. We're going to start with the Baltimore Ravens, who have been decently quiet other than re-signing Derek Wolf, former Bronco, as well as Pernell McPhee, also the defensive end for them, and guard Kevin Zeitler on a three-year deal. Other than that, they've been pretty quiet. What do you think? Yeah, it's just they're obviously very focused on running the ball, and it's it's usually successful for them. But once they get to the playoffs, it just, in my opinion, is not going to be good enough to get them past a wild card or divisional round. So if they're happy with that right now, I guess that's what they're happy with. They were supposedly one of the teams that were interested in Kenny Galladay. That didn't work out for him. So I say they need to go receiver in the draft. Um, give some more options down the field for Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's moving into his fourth year now, I believe, so he's got an opportunity to um, possibly explode, you know, throwing the ball rather than um, a mix of throwing and running. Um, it's going to be up to that offense, and then if their defense can stay consistent to make a move past that divisional round in playoffs. 
Yep. Moving on to the Cincinnati Bengals. They've been decent throughout the entire free agency period. Signing a backup for Joe Burrow. Brandon Allen to a one-year contract. Signed Riley Reif. One-year, $7.5 million deal. That's the only offensive lineman they went and got in free agency, which is interesting. Maybe that's their plan going into the draft is just to draft a whole bunch of offensive linemen and have a lot of rookies, but we'll see. What do you think of their yeah. signings? Yeah, I would say that they're going to go Kine Sewell is their one and only plan, and they better hope that somebody doesn't go up and draft them ahead of them at five, I believe, is where they are. So it's going to be huge that they get Sewell. I think that's just their most certain pick other than Trevor Lawrence. For a team, um, if, if he's sitting there at five, they're going to take him absolutely to help Joe Burrow out in his second year. I also really like their move getting Trey Hendrickson, the DN from the Saints, and signed him to a four-year, $60 million deal. And he was actually a game wrecker for the Saints at DN last year. A big loss for, the, for New Orleans and a big pickup to that defense for the Bengals. Yeah, I like what they've done so far. We'll have to see what they do as far as offensive line in the draft. I think that's obviously the biggest hole the Bengals have, and they play in a pretty competitive conference. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that they'll be competing to win the conference, but maybe third in the division, maybe going six and ten, seven and nine ish. If they can get a good offensive line, if they can't, I don't know that they'll be any better than that. Moving on, Cleveland Browns been pretty quiet throughout the entire free agency period, did get Malik Jackson, did get uh, McKinley, the D-end. What do you think of their signings? Yeah, I think they actually made a couple good moves in the secondary, which is where they were lacking, in my opinion. They go out and get cornerback Troy Hill on a four-year, $24 million deal, and then safety Josh Johnson. Both of those guys from the Rams, Johnson getting a three-year, $33 million deal. And the Rams have had success on the defensive side of the ball, so going to... Going and getting two guys that probably know each other pretty well, they're going to be able to bring that energy um, and chemistry that they have together to a secondary on Cleveland that, honestly, they needed the help, and now that you have that secondary looking pretty good, the defense is looking pretty good, and the Browns in general are looking pretty good. And they're probably going to be my favorite going into the uh, to win the AFC North going into this season. So I like where the Browns are doing here. They they don't have to make too many moves, you know. They bring back Rashard Higgins to that offense. We'll see what happens with Odell. There's gonna be a lot of talk about that always with Odell. Um, but I think they have the recipe for success with a good running game and play action, and then now a really solid defense. Yeah, I like that. I like what the Browns have done so far. We'll just have to see what they do in the draft. They look decent. We'll just have to see what they can do to bolster their already pretty good roster. That will be their depth. Will be what is dependent on whether they can go win the division or not, in my opinion. Moving on to the Pittsburgh Steelers. One of the, actually, the most overrated team in the NFL, which I had said throughout the year last year, not good. Big Ben is coming back. They're bringing back Juju Smith-Schuster. Goodness. Wide receiver Ray McLeod, as well as signing O-lineman B.J. Finney and tackle Zach Banner both to decent contracts they're trying to get the offensive lineman ready to go so Big Ben is protected and can stay healthy this year for probably his last year but we've said that a bit about Big Ben for the last three or four years so we'll see 
as well as corner Cameron Sutton was the other big signing that the Steelers had. What do you think about the Steelers and what signings they've had? Yeah, I mean, first thing is I props to Juju because he took a one-year $8 million deal and he had offers to make about $5 million more elsewhere. So for him to want to come back to Pittsburgh, loyal to, um, to this team, and still you know, hoping to get over that hump and possibly make a run with Big Ben, that's props to him. But, you know, I just don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. Is Dwayne Haskins your answer in the future, or are you going to go out and draft somebody? Because I think this is Big Ben's last year. I think this is going to be the year that he, you know, does a Ryan Fitzpatrick and mentors a guy under him to let them blow up next year. And I don't think it's Dwayne Haskins, so I really think they need to go out and draft a quarterback. We'll see what they do. Moving into the AFC South. Houston Texans are first. Obviously, with the whole Deshaun Watson thing, everything's up in the air. So they went and they got both quarterback Brian Finley and quarterback Tyrod Taylor. They also went and got running back Mark Ingram and running back Phillip Lindsay, two big Pro Bowl guys from just a year ago, or maybe it was two years ago, mm-hmm. as well as Dante Moncrief, Farrell Brown, the tight end, Justin McCray, the guard, Justin Britt. Shaq Lawson, Derek Rivers, Malik Collins, Jordan Jenkins, Desmond King, Terrence Brooks, all big-name guys headed to the Texans, which honestly I'm kind of surprised about. I didn't think anybody would want to go play there. But they're all headed to Houston to see if they can't bring that franchise back. I think, in my opinion, Tyrod Taylor will be the starting quarterback for the Texans coming into week one, even if they went and maybe got a quarterback somewhere in the draft. Doesn't necessarily have to be in round two or three. I still think Tyrod Taylor will be the starter. I don't think Deshaun's going to play this year. I think Tyrod Taylor is a good quarterback. He kind of got robbed with the Chargers last year because the trainer punctured his lung and that was the end of it. There wasn't really anything he had. He played well at the Bills. He's had a good career. He's a good guy, good quarterback. I think he could probably be the starter for them. Mark Ingram... And Philip Lindsay will be a crazy one-two punch. Philip Lindsay will. Well, don't forget about David Johnson too. Oh, and David Johnson, like Philip Lindsay will bring the speed and the pass catching. Mark Ingram will be the big, ground and pound running back, going through the middle on the third and short, fourth and short type situations. Dante Moncrief obviously brings a big issue for defenses. Justin Britt is a great offensive lineman. Shaq Lawson is a game wrecker from the defensive end position. Malik Collins, another game wrecker. I mean, they've been very, very busy, and I'm excited to see what they do. Obviously, I don't think they're going to go and win the division. I don't think that they'll even probably get second, but I think that they honestly could be an 8-18 eight and 18 this year. Yeah, it just it's up to Deshaun Watson. And the thing for me is I think this cements the fact that Deshaun Watson is staying in Houston. Because all these guys signing here, there had to have been some kind of like, you know, hey, is Deshaun Watson going to be there next year? Like, that's kind of a big for, big thing for me if I want to sign here. And I'm guessing that answer was yes. Like, I'm all these veteran guys that came here and all these, you know, playmakers, a lot of guys that I can make some plays out there for them. I think they had kind of a kind of knowledge that Deshaun Watson is going to come back. We'll see if he decides to not play at all this year and pull a Le'Veon Bell. Or if he's like, you know what, they – yeah, I'll give props to my to my management. They actually went out there and got some weapons for me. Let's go see what we can do this year. Um, but it's all up to Deshaun Watson on, uh, as far as success because they do have 
some solid pieces around him. Moving on to the Indianapolis Colts. Obviously, Carson Wentz in the trade from the Philadelphia Eagles. Marlon Mack, the running back, and then Xavier Rhodes. Other than that, that's pretty much all the signings that they've had in the free agency period. They do still have a decent amount of cap if they wanted to go and get some more free agents after the draft. I like what they've done. They're looking good. I'm slightly concerned about the depth in the front seven on their defense, but outside of that, I like where they're sitting at. Any opinions on the Colts? Yeah, I think they'll make a couple more moves. Um, I don't know exactly what, but I th- yeah, I do think they'll make a couple more moves before a free agency ends. I'm sure they'll go out and get a good draft pick. Um, I think they might go get some speed on the offensive side of the ball, maybe a Kadarius Toney um, from Florida. But at the end of the day, I like the Colts to win this division, and I think they're in a good spot right now where they don't have to make too many moves. And, um, yeah, I-, I like the Colts a lot, so I'm excited to see what they do. Now the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have been pretty busy in signing guys, especially, I think, guys that really believe in Trevor Lawrence and could we be a win-now team and go compete with the Colts for the division. Carlos Hyde from the Seahawks, Philip Dorsett, Marvin Jones signed there, Malcolm Brown, Shaquille Griffin also from the Seahawks, Rashawn Jenkins, the safety all those are bigger name guys. They've had probably ten between ten and fifteen signings during free agency. What do you think about the Jaguars and what they've done as far as signings? Yeah, I mean, kind of similar to what the Jets have done, going out and getting some weapons for the future quarterback they're about to draft. And this one's going to be Trevor Lawrence, and there's a lot of excitement around him coming to Jacksonville. They get a couple good, solid receivers in Marvin Jones and Dorsett, and you know what? No, I don't think they're going to be a win-now team, but I think they're going to move forward in the future, and they're getting some pieces, and it's going to take a couple years. But with Trevor Lawrence, and if he plays up to the potential that people are giving him, they're going to be successful in a couple years, and they're, they're setting themselves up right. So I like what they're doing. I mean, hot take here. Jacksonville Jaguars go 10-6 and six next year. Okay. Get close to winning the division with the Colts gotcha. in the hunt for the wild card. I think if Trevor Lawrence can play up to the potential that people say he can, with these veterans on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball and a new head coach in Urban Meyer, this could be a totally different program. Yeah. Obviously, it's a hot take. I don't know that it necessarily is 100%. Like, I want to put all my money in right now. But I like what they've done as far as the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. And the defense, obviously, Urban Meyer is done very well at building defenses over the years. I just like what the Jags could do. I think they finished second in the division this year if Deshaun Watson doesn't play. That would be the if. If Deshaun Watson plays, I think Texans finish second. But I think the Jags could be up in the second or third range between 10 and 6 and 8 and 8. Next year, this is fl- you're flaming hot right now. You're I, it's it's and a I, you know it's what? a hot one. I hope it happens, but I would probably cap them at seven wins, like max this year. And I, they, I think they will be that ten win team eventually. But if they can do it this year, watch out. But yeah, flaming hot take there. I think you're forgetting about the Tennessee Titans. Yes, they've lost some guys, but they have brought in uh, Bud Dupree this year, which was a huge deal, $585 million deal. That helps on the defensive side of the ball. And at the end of the day, they have Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill. So I still like the Titans, and that's just a couple moves that they made. 
Yeah, I would agree. I like the Titans too. We'll kind of move into them right now. I think my concern for them is can they stay consistent? And yes, they made the playoffs and they were consistent throughout the year and we talked about them as the bad boys in the NFL and their rivalry with the Ravens and all that stuff. But I'm just worried that they can't be consistent. Ryan Tannehill has played well under the Titans but has had issues turning the ball over at times. And I think that they could be a competitor for the second spot. I don't think that they're going to beat the Colts out for the division. And obviously, as I said, I think the Jags could go 8-8. Eight and eight. I just think, honestly, that the eight losses that they have could all be in the division. I think that they will probably go 0-2 to the Colts. They'll probably go 0-2 to the Titans. And they could split with the Texans. So that's five losses that gives them three out-of-division games to lose. I think it could be a possibility. But we're talking about the Titans now, so I'll move away from that. Bud Dupree has had his issues with staying healthy over the last couple years. He is a concern as far as health for me, but I like the signings that the Titans have done. We'll see what they can do. But obviously I had a hot take in that division. I wanted to take a shot today because you guys know we haven't done hot takes in, I don't know, probably 10 episodes. So it's been a while. I wanted to see if I could throw something in there. And that's honestly my pick, if I had to take one, was that the Jags would be big coming into this year. Took my breath away, man. That was a a game changer. That changed the whole episode. Moving on to the AFC West. Denver Broncos, who have been very hot and cold over the last 10 years. They got some of their guys back. They didn't really go out and sign a whole lot of guys other than Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby both defensive backs. They keep Justin Simmons, who arguably has been one of the best safeties in the NFL, very quietly, but has played very, very well for the Broncos. They want to build their team around him as far as the defensive side of the ball. Four-year, $61 million contract, as well as holding on Shelby Harris, three-year deal worth $27 million. What do you think about the Broncos? They made some great moves on the defense. I like where they're going there. It's just going to be up to what they want to do at quarterback. Um, do they go out and draft somebody, or do they stick with Locke at quarterback? Um, I still think they're really young, and they have the potential to move into um, to some more success over the next couple of years. It's going to be about holding on to those key pieces of their defense. We'll see what Von Miller does, and uh, it's just going to be about Drew Locke, or if they go to a drafting drafting a quarterback. Well, Von Miller is definitely going back to the Broncos, and all of his criminal charges are dropped. So he will be a Bronco next year, and he will be playing. So it will be up to his production based off of what he does. And I think that will be an interesting team to watch. I think they're probably going to be last in the division this year, maybe second to last, depending on what the Chargers do. But it will be an interesting year for the Broncos. Moving on, the team that has ruled that division for the last two, three years, the Kansas City Chiefs. We were very confused. They dropped their two tackles, and everybody said, what are they doing? And then they went out, and they got veteran Kyle Long, who came out of retirement. They got Joe Thune, and they re-signed Mike Rimmers. So three big offensive line signings for the Chiefs, as well as signing Taco Charlton and Blake Bell. So those are kind of the big things for me that I think the Chiefs have done well in free agency. As I said, Super Bowl teams being repeats. It's always up to how they draft. So I'm really interested to see what the Chiefs do in the draft this year. That will be the big key for me. 
yeah, they had a great draft getting Clyde Edwards Euler last year. I like those offensive line signings. Those are huge for the Chiefs. I wish the Seahawks would do something similar. But, uh, you know, I feel like it's my duty to give you a hot take now that you just hit me with a hot take. And that's going to be that the Kansas City Chiefs do not win their division. Wow. Wow. That might be bigger than mine. We're going with the Las Vegas Raiders to win the division next year. The Chiefs coming off a Super Bowl loss. Teams have struggled after the Super Bowl loss, as I've talked about. And I just have this feeling. I just have this feeling that the Las Vegas Raiders, they got them once last year. They're at least good for getting them once or twice next year. Give me the Raiders. The Raiders are going to have the easier schedule, too. I don't know. I think the Chiefs might just not even win their division. Yes, they'll be in the playoffs, and they'll probably make a fat run again. But give me the Raiders and the AFC West. Hot take you right back. And uh, let's talk about the Raiders now. Yeah. I like the Raiders. We'll move on to the Raiders. So they've been pretty busy. Kenyon Drake. Boom. John Brown. uh, Richie Incognito. Unique Ngakwe, Quentin Jefferson, Solomon Thomas, Nicholas Morrow, some bigger name guys. In my opinion, this doesn't make them any better. Maybe a little bit better, but it just fills the holes that they had originally and opens up new ones. So I think while the Raiders will be good this year, I don't think that this is going to solve all their problems with John Gruden. I don't think it's going to solve their problems with Derek Carr turning over the football. I don't know that they're going to... I think they'll definitely be second. I will give you that. But I don't know that they will win the division at all. Wow, guys, do not listen to us in this episode. Goodness, we are making some really hot takes that I definitely don't know that I would agree with. But hey, we've enjoyed doing it, so... Yeah. I I, mean, I like Kenyon Drake going to the, uh, to the Raiders because now you have Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. That's a... Probably might be the best running back combo in all of NFL. I know you're thinking because of the Packers, A.J. Dillon. These two are two proven running backs, and now if you don't have to rely on Kenny Drake as your number one, but now you get to rely on him out of the backfield catching passes, that's actually probably the perfect spot for him. It's actually a really good one-two combo. Darren Waller's top three tight end in the league. Derek Carr has the potential to blow up. It's just going to be about him blowing up, and I think this could be the year. And now they also go out and get Yannick Ngakwe at the end, two-year, $26 million deal. How did Mahomes get stopped in the Super Bowl? Solid DNs and pressure off the edge. Maybe Ngakwe can be that guy. Give me the Raiders in the AFC West. I can't back out now. Hot take. Let's go. Oh, we love it. Okay, (laughs) moving on. Los Angeles Chargers have been decently quiet. They went out and got Jared Cook, former Packer, former Saint. Obviously made some big catches from the tight end position over the years. That was a position that obviously they lost Hunter Henry, so they refilled that gap. Maybe not to that potential, but a good solid tight end that can both block and catch passes. They also got former Packer Corey Lindsley on the offensive line, as well as Michael Davis at corner. They've been pretty quiet, but I like them so far. We'll see what they can do. Obviously... They have Justin Herbert from last year. What are your opinions on the Chargers this year? I think that might be one of my favorite moves all offseason, going out and getting center Corey Lindsley on a five-year deal. He's proven, and he's one of the better centers in the league. And now if you can match him up with one of the rising stars in the NFL and Justin Herbert, who I have the highest regards for, I think that could be a great combination. And eventually I think the Chargers are going to take over in that and in the AFC West. I think Herbert is that good. 
and I think if you can just get him the weapons, he has the talent to play like Mahomes. And I'm excited for the Chargers in this, this next three to five years because I think there can be a lot of growth with Justin Herbert. He can end up, you know, being one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. We'll see. They're, Mahomes is in Kansas City for another 10 years, so yeah. let's, let's be careful now. It might still be the Chiefs' division for another four or five years. All right. That kind of wraps up our free agency. Yes, this was a longer episode today, but we went through each and every team, each and every division, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. There still will be some more moves, but we wanted to cover every team you know, just going into the draft because free agency is super crucial. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, if you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure to share it on Instagram. Tell your friends. We're trying to expand our audience before the draft and before next year. We're really excited for all of that. As you guys might have heard, based off of our Instagram, we've now launched a Twitter account. At the Gridiron Pod 2 is our username and Twitter handle for Twitter. Please make sure to follow that. We do all the breaking news type stuff on there as well as we'll probably make comments during games on that Twitter account. Instagram will start to move away from the breaking news side of things. We will post some of our tweets on our Instagram stories to still give you guys the biggest breaking news that there is out there, but that will start to be more of our announcements based off of our merch and episodes. Obviously, stay tuned in because we'll be doing the Instagram Live for the draft. We'll probably do other Instagram Lives. We're going to try and obviously get some bigger events and go to some games and maybe get some different types of content over the next bit. Make sure to stay tuned into that because that obviously has all our announcements on our episodes. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please give us any feedback that you guys have, either to our Twitter or to our Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you have a great weekend and happy football.